grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that engages us this morning comes to us from Acts chapter 10, and we continue with our theme of holding on. Acts itself, whenever I read it, it makes me feel like I'm listening to a, a greatest hits album, especially at the beginning of the book. Well, before we just start journeying around with the Apostle Paul, we get, we get come from scene to scene. We've got Philip and the Ethiopian. We've got Peter and John. We've got Stephen. We have Paul's conversion. And today we look at Peter and Cornelius. We just seem to really be jumping around from person to person, and it's just, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And in our text today, we're introduced to a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of the Italian regiment in Caesarea, which means that he was a centurion and was a commander of 100 soldiers. We're also told that he was devout, that he was God-fearing, that he gave generously, and that he prayed regularly. Then one day, he has a vision. He sees an angel of God coming towards him and asks, what is it, Lord? And the angel replies that your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received and seen by God. Now send some men to Joppa and bring Peter. And the angel leaves and Cornelius gets two servants, a soldier. He tells them what happens and then he sends them on their way. And the next day as the group is nearing Joppa and Peter is up on the roof praying, he has a dream of the sky opening and a large sheet being let down. And on this sheet are all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And a voice says, Peter, kill and eat. I'm guessing that's much like when a large pepperoni pizza and some sides of ranch is in front of all of us and that little voice in our head says, destroy it, eat it all in one sitting. But regardless, that's not part of the story. See, when Peter sees the sheet, he says, no way. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice responds with, don't call anything unclean if God has made it clean. And then this same vision is repeated three times. And I wonder if it's repeated three times simply because it's Peter, but only the Lord would know that. But Peter's perplexed and he's wondering what does this vision mean at the end of it? And then there's this knock on the door and the Spirit says, there's men downstairs, go with them, don't worry, I'm sending you. Now, interesting enough, Peter is not perplexed because he had a vision or because he heard an angel or because he was prompted by the Spirit. That's really par for the course for him ever since Jesus ascended into heaven. He's perplexed because according to Jewish law, certain foods were forbidden to eat. And these food laws made it difficult for Jews to eat with Gentiles without risking defilement without becoming unclean. In fact, the Gentiles themselves in the eyes of a Jewish person were often seen as unclean. And because of that, many Gentiles were seen as less because they were unclean. See, Peter's really perplexed because at the heart of this vision is this idea that he should not look down upon Gentiles as inferior people whom God will not redeem. And prior to this vision, there is no way that Peter would have ever thought that a Roman officer could become a follower of Jesus. When we read this story, friends, I want it to just fill your heart with hope. Because what it means is that friends or family members or neighbors who, who we think there's no way that this person could ever become a follower of Jesus. I mean, look at how they live. Look at what they do. Look at what they say. Look at their lifestyle. These people are not beyond our love, nor are they beyond the love of God. 
And perhaps when we read this story, it's a good chance for us to look at ourselves and say, thank you, Lord, that you do not see us that way. That you do not ever think that we are beyond your love. So in the story, Peter goes downstairs. He says, I'm the man that you're looking for and asks them why they've come. They answer him and the next day they're off to meet Cornelius. And they pull up to the house about seven or eight. They yell to the cabbie, you'll home, smell you later. And then they go inside and Cornelius, this Roman officer, falls at Peter's feet and worships him. And Peter picks him up much like T'Challa does to Bruce Banner in Infinity War and says, we don't do that here. He says, get up, I'm just a human like you. They talk and then Peter says this, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or even visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? When Peter entered Cornelius' home, he broke a whole list of Jewish rules. He knew what the others might think. He knew what the others might say. So it's no wonder that Peter confessed that being there, he was uncomfortable. But why did he go? Because God told him to. Now if you feel the call to share your faith, and I hope and pray that you do, you better be ready. Because when you pray, Lord, send me so that I can share my faith, you will. And it may not always be to who or how you think it should be. But I love how in that sentence, in those two verses before, Peter also admits that he was wrong because of what he had thought and learned before. He was wrong because God had revealed to him what the real truth was. Now the text doesn't say anything about this, but I wonder what that moment was like in that household when Peter says that. What it must have been like for someone to say that they are sorry for the way that they have been viewing others. For someone to say, how I viewed you was wrong, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my people have looked down at you as less because you were different than us. Because we didn't have the same experience and ways of living, I'm sorry for what we have done. You know, one of the greatest barriers to the spread of the good news in the first century was this Jewish-Gentile conflict. And most of the early believers were Jewish and they thought that it was scandalous to even think of associating with Gentiles. But God told Peter to take the gospel to a Roman citizen. And Peter obeyed despite his background and despite his personal feelings. Because God was making it clear that the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. That regardless of custom, culture, or differences, you are to go to these people and that I myself am sending you. And again, this is what fills us with hope, but there's probably also a little bit of angst and that's okay because it's the good kind. God has placed each one of us in unique situations so that wherever we work, wherever we live, whatever university we go to, whoever our kids befriend, he has called us to be the ones to go even if it's uncomfortable. Get ready to share because it's going to be worth it. And we must never allow any barrier, any language, culture, race, geography, economic status, educational level, anything to ever keep us from telling others about Jesus. Then Cornelius tells Peter his vision about the instructions he received and then he says this, 
Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us, Peter. And Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, this is the third week of hearing Peter preach this same message. We heard it in Acts chapter 2. We heard it twice when we looked at Acts chapter 4. And now here we are again listening to this message again in Acts chapter 10. Sometimes I wonder why not at this point just save the parchment, save the ink, Dr. Luke, and just say, and he spoke to them the same message that I just wrote in the chapter before. And I think if we, if we, if we really consider it, maybe we could do that for a lot of scripture. So why, why do they do this? Why do they keep repeating this same message? Well, if you jump back to the beginning with Deuteronomy and you look at Psalms, there's this reoccurring theme of remember. Remember your Lord. Don't forget the Lord. Remember and do not forget the Lord. See, I think this message has been repeated over and over again and it's been given to us so that we might overcome our forgetfulness of God and for the things that he has done for us. It is amazing how many times we need to hear something before it sinks in. It's amazing how many times we need to do something before we remember to do it again and again. It's amazing how even with morning prayer and spending time in the Word, there we are again forgetting about the Lord and what He has called us to be. So Scripture and the prophets and the psalmists and all the apostles remind us time and time again, remember, hold on to these words, don't forget God. See, they know how important it is to hold on to these memories of God and all the wonder that he has done for us. Because Christ died and rose is more than just words. Christ for everyone is more than just words. Christ giving his life for the forgiveness of sins for all is more than just words. It's the good, it's the hope, it's the life for all of us. We must remember that we have to hold on to that word. And we should seek to be reminded as often as possible because we need to remain in his love and remain in the word. Without it, we're just like people who are passing by with nothing to hold on to, just floating and aimlessly wandering. But it is the word of Jesus and what he has done that roots us and reminds us that by the Spirit, we are one in Jesus. So I say, give us the message. Give us the story. May we never tire of hearing it because it binds us to Christ in relationship to him. 
There's a reason we worship week after week after week. Because we are now made a part of that living history. We are included in this story. So much so that we don't just remember it, but we participate in it. And we spread this story. There's a reason the Bible says pass down the stories. Because these stories have been passed down to us. From generation to generation. Father to son. Friend to friend. Neighbor to neighbor. Scripture is a powerful gift from God to us. So let us not forget what does this message say? Jesus died. Jesus rose. There is forgiveness of sins in his name. And there is a life and love to be lived. See, God gave himself to us. He didn't just give us words. He himself became and came down to be in community with us, to stand alongside us, to be one of us. We don't have a God who just says it. We have a God who does it, has come to bring each one of us into community with him. The message says he has redeemed us, that he knows us, that he has saved us. And I promise you, with all these headlines changing and we're scrolling along, bombarded with all the devastation and harm and fear, we need to be reminded of this story. Now, I'm not saying don't be informed and don't check out what's going on, but what will stop our heart from breaking and turning to hate and turning to fear? Only this message. Only this story. The one that God does not show favoritism, but has come for each one of us. Has laid down his life for each one of us. Has risen and forgiven the sins of each one of us. You know, each story in Acts may feel like a greatest hits album, but each story is about that same thing. That God has come so that we can be a part of his community and be in relationship with him. This is a story that does not divide but brings us together. It is a message of hope, peace, and reconciliation, and one that reminds us that what is different, what is unfamiliar, is okay. Because each one of us must be willing to go, willing to speak, so that that message of love and community can be given to all. Friends, we hold to the message. We participate in the message. We spread the message. For this is what the community of God is all about. Each one of us called to participate in this greatest hits album of the story of God.